Shulman Alechem, welcome to The Schmooze. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Asia Weissman-Shulman. Before joining the Yiddish Book Center, Asia taught Yiddish at Indiana University, where she was also the project manager of AHEM, the Archives of Historical and Ethnographic Yiddish memories. Asia holds a BA from Barnard College, Columbia University, and a PhD in Yiddish from Harvard. Asia's PhD research was on the Yiddish songs and singing practices of contemporary Hasidic women. Asia serves as the Yiddish Book Center's director of the Yiddish Language Institute here at the Yiddish Book Center, and she is author of the forthcoming In Einem, a new Yiddish textbook. Welcome, Asia. Thank you. Um, so excited to have you join me to talk about the forthcoming release, the long-awaited release of the textbook. Um, and I know you had a really busy summer between putting the textbook to bed and also taking the Steiner Summer Yiddish program online, which I hear by all reports was as successful as your in-person summer program as always. Yes, it was actually very exciting to try out using the book in an online format, which I hadn't had the opportunity to do before. Um, and to see that it works in, in that way as well. Um, so I spend a little bit of time adapting my in-class activities to uh, Zoom-friendly activities. Um, and, you know, the students and I had a great time. And we, we have been referring to it sort of in a fun way here, which I think may have come stemmed from the education department as the, the Zoomer um, Yiddish program, which is Yes, great. exactly. Um, <laughs> And I have to say, um, in, in, in all candor, it's always amazing to me that, and I miss having, you know, I miss being at the center while we have to be closed, and I miss having the students around because they arrive, and a large percentage of them are beginner Yiddish speakers, and seven weeks later, I arrive in the morning in the parking lot, and they are all just sort of yammering away around me. Um, and I like to joke, a lot of our visitors say that, they grew up, you know, in, they, in a house where Yiddish was used only to keep the kids from understanding. In this case, I think we've switched the generation. So now I don't understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really amazing to see their progress, you know, starting out with nothing, no knowledge at all. And then by the end of summer, um, I'm actually in the middle of grading their final exams and they're writing these page long essays in the past tense, uh, you know, with, with detailed information. And it's really really amazing to see. It's incredible to see and it's also incredible to see what they all go off and do. It just it, it opens up possibilities that I don't think anybody ever would have imagined in terms of, of incorporating Yiddish into so many professional uh, avenues. Absolutely professional and creative. Um, mm -hmm. We have alums who go on to work with the Yiddish theater, to do Yiddish music, um, to write, you know, creative writing in Yiddish. It's, it's really something else. So it's great to be able to talk about this textbook, which was, I think, safe to say it was a really ambitious undertaking. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how this all sort of came to be. Um, and, you know, it, you, you sort of put this idea forward when you arrived at the Yiddish Book Center um, and, you know, assumed the launch of having the Yiddish Language Institute, which you are the director of. And let's, let's hear your thinking about why, why this needed to be and sort of what your vision for it was. Sure. So it's actually uh, a two-pronged beginning to this story. Um, first of all, I was hired, actually, um, to teach online classes, funnily enough, things come around full circle. 
Um, and I felt that it would not work very well to, uh, would not be as effective to teach online classes with the uh, existing materials that I had. Um, so I thought it would be important to create a set of materials um, using the particular pedagogical approach that I teach with um, to facilitate teaching online classes and other, other types of classes as well. Um, and uh, the, my pedagogical approach is called the communicative approach to language learning, uh, which is used in most foreign language classes today. Um, and I learned it from my Yiddish teaching mentor, Bruchel Lang, um, and also by taking uh, German classes at Columbia, which uh, all use the communicative approach. For the communicative approach, it's really important to have illustrations because when any vocabulary or grammar topic is presented, it's not presented through English or through another language. Um, it's presented through the words and sentences themselves um, as they are illustrated or acted out um, so that the student creates a direct association of the Yiddish word or phrase with the object itself or the, the phrase itself, rather than through an intermediary of another language. Um, and the existing teaching materials um, at that point had lots of merit and you know, were really wonderful and, and well thought out materials, but they did not have illustrations. Um, and generally the pedagogical approach was a little bit different than the one uh, that, I, that I wanted to use in my teaching. Um, the other thing was that working at the Yiddish Book Center, there was a wealth of resources available to me to draw on um, in creating a set of teaching materials, um, in particular online resources. So the Yiddish Book Center has the Steven Spielberg Digital Yiddish Library with the full texts of thousands and thousands of Yiddish books. Um, there's the Wexler Oral History Project, which we drew on quite a bit in the textbook, um, with interviews in Yiddish with, with native speakers of Yiddish. Um, there, uh, and th there are lectures and, and recordings and all kinds of other wonderful materials um, that I was able to draw upon for what we call authentic texts. So uh, Yiddish literary and other cultural artifacts um, that we used as primary sources within the book. So the combination of uh, having access to all of these resources and developing technologies, being able to create a, an extensive website to use in conjunction with the book, um, and the need for illustrated materials that use my particular pedagogical approach, uh, all of that came together um, in, into me wanting to propose writing this, this textbook. Um, and I had been hoping to do so for a number of years and particularly in conjunction with Brocha, who also used this approach. Um, and uh, this, this was a wonderful opportunity um, once I started working at the Yiddish Book Center. Uh, and in particular, uh, as we can now see, uh, I was able to use these materials to easily convert my classes to online classes. I'm going to back up because you mentioned using um, our authentic, you know, source material here, and you referenced 
reference the Yiddish Book Center's Wexler Oral History, which has in, in its trove in that collection, a lot of interviews in Yiddish. And um, again, full disclosure, I've worked with you, you know, in a, a different capacity, not the Yiddish capacity on the textbook. And one of the things that I learned as part of this process um, was the idea of dialects and how important it is to represent those. I was fascinated when that sort of crossed my desk um, in, in some of this work. And it also speaks to the importance of that oral history project in terms of having captured those different dialects and things and, ha and how you represent those within the book. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Absolutely. So one of the goals in writing this book was to represent a variety of Yiddishes, so to speak. So not just, you know, stiff, rigid textbook Yiddish that only included a particular standard um, and, you know, clipped textbook phrases, but Yiddish, uh, representing Yiddish that was actually used, spoken, and written over the course of uh, the past couple of centuries um, and across a geographic spectrum and across a variety of populations, um, like political spectrum, religious spectrum, um, gender, and so forth. Uh, so the materials that we chose uh, were intended to represent as many different populations of Yiddish speakers as possible, um, including different speakers of Yiddish dialects. So uh, we don't extensively teach all of the dialects because it's a beginner textbook and there's only so much you can cover uh, in the first year of learning, but we make sure to expose students to them and to draw their attention to the differences between dialects, between orthographic uh, spelling systems um, of Yiddish throughout different uh, decades in its publication history um, and other, other varieties and variations. Um, so often this comes up in the uh, songs that we use, as well as in the oral histories, um, where the students are learning Klal Yiddish, standard Yiddish, um, which was standardized by Yivo in the early 20th century. Um, but they hear speakers of Southern Yiddish and Litvish Yiddish. Um, and we point out uh, some of the differences, for example, in vowel changes that the student might hear. Um, and we ask them to notice how is the vocabulary that you learned in this chapter pronounced differently by the speaker or the singer here. Um, and sometimes there are grammatical differences as well, and we, we talk about those. So we don't ask the student to produce anything in dialect, but we do ask that they notice different dialects. Which is, again, kind of fascinating to me and, and speaks to the importance of this book, uh, which is an important work on so many levels, Asia, really. But we also have a translation fellowship, and a lot of the literature is written and... Um, Dialect, I think, plays into the way that you translate or the way that you stumble upon a word and have to, you know, I, I see these dialogues that go back and forth between, you know, Mendel Cohen and some of the translators and within that community. And I think that this textbook, and correct me if I'm making a, a leap of faith or a wrong assumption here, I think, again, it becomes a source for how do you begin to tease out what some of these nuances are. Yeah, for sure. One of the differences between dialects that does come up in translation is word choice. Um, and we actually do encounter this in the book fairly early on with the song Bulbe, 
an incredibly popular Yiddish song among Yiddish students about uh, eating potatoes every day of the week. And we learn right, right away that bulba, um, though very popular in the song, is actually not the most common word for potato. It is a regional variant of Northeastern Yiddish, um, primarily used in the area that is now Belarus. And that the much more common word for potato is kartoffel, and that's what they will encounter in many other dialects. Um, so right, right from the beginning, you see that that is something that comes up in Yiddish, and it is certainly um, having the, the skills to recognize um, these kinds of differences is, is certainly something that the textbook introduces. So Yiddish is a complicated language, um, and it's a language that, again, it's great to see um, something as ambitious as the, as the textbook, putting it into one environment where we can look at all those complexities and learn them. What were some of the challenges for you in terms of how to convey all of this? Uh, well, we definitely had to put a lot of thought into the structure of the book, um, into organizing it in a way that builds gradually from the more basic concepts and uh, vocabulary sets that are most relevant and uh, come up most commonly for students to use right away, and then gradually um, build on that and increase the grammatical complexity of what the students can say and understand and the breadth of their vocabulary. Um, and another uh, challenge that came up was how to make the book uh, user-friendly in terms of the different types of students and types of circumstances where it would be used. Um, so if you're writing for somebody studying on their own, that's quite a different type of curriculum than uh, writing for a class that has the benefit of a Yiddish-speaking instructor to guide um, and, and uh, lead activities with students uh, in a classroom setting where students can communicate with each other. So for a while, we struggled a little bit with um, finding a way to accommodate both of those circumstances. And eventually, uh, we came upon our current system, which is that the printed book, as it stands, um, is intended to be used primarily by independent learners who can go through it at their own pace and the book itself will guide them on their Yiddish learning journey. And for students in a classroom or, or students working in groups to learn together, there is a teacher guide on the textbook website, uh, which is, can be downloaded in, as PDF documents. Um, and the teacher guide has a whole other set of activities um, that teaches the same topics in the same order, but in a way that is more effective for a multi-person learning environment um, that really uh, draws upon the ability of the participants to communicate with each other and to use the language to exchange information. So we have these two parallel, um, in a way, it's, it's almost like two parallel books, two parallel learning systems that that cover the same material and draw on the same resources, um, but really best utilize the, the particular circumstances of the student. So for our listeners, let's just clarify that um, the textbook is a printed textbook. It comes mm -hmm. in two volumes, which we had to split because it is an ambitious, I think we're in at about 845 pages at this point, something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, yeah, it is anything but 
not comp it is comprehensive and <laughs> <laughs> uh, scope. There is also a companion website for those who purchase the textbook. And as you say, there are teacher guides there, but it's also um, uh, part of the textbook because it's where you can find other resources, which is, again, you know, in terms of your timing of having developed this textbook, it's wonderful because you've used, again, the technology in a really smart way that wasn't available to anybody 10 years ago to have this um, sort of companion website. And, and speak a little bit about that, if you would, just what's there and, and how it augments the experience for the learners. Absolutely. The website is a crucial component of the book. Um, uh, it houses all of the multimedia materials that we use. So we have film clips, oral history interview clips, songs, uh, clips of radio shows, um, high-resolution art images, all of these media resources that are all on the website for the student to access, to listen to, or watch um, in order to be able to complete the exercises that are in the book. And we also have lots of fun study tools on the website as well. Uh, we have flashcards of virtual clickable flashcards um, for all of the vocabulary sets in the books. Um, there are all kinds of quizzes, uh, a tool called image maps where you have an illustration from the book that you can click on um, and see what, uh, what each, what word is represented uh, by each picture. Um, there are links to the full text uh, books that are excerpted in the textbook. So, for example, if we have, you know, if we excerpt a few paragraphs from a novel in the book, then on the website you will have the link to read the, more of that novel if you become interested in it. Um, and uh, we have additional for the for the teacher. We have additional worksheets um, and classroom activity resources uh, to be used in class. So there's quite a, a wealth of material on the website that complements the print book. And let's just pick up on the idea of um, a frequently asked question that we get um, as people are beginning to pre-order the textbook. Is it something that can be used for an independent learner? And, and what other classroom situations? Is this a college level? Is it high school? Speak a little bit about the sort of audience for the textbook and how you can use it. Yes, absolutely. We, we definitely wanted to make the book as inclusive as possible um, to, to as wide a variety of audiences as we could. Um, so it's meant primarily for uh, high school through adult um, and with, with the main target audience being university level classes, but really usable by um, anybody you know, older or a bit younger than that. Um, and actually, for the past couple of years, we have been testing the book with Yiddish teachers um, throughout North America. Um, and this past year, we had a teacher adapting it for use with third graders. <laughs> so even, even younger audiences um, can use those materials if they are adapted a bit. Um, but yes, the, the book, as written, as I mentioned before, um, can be used by independent learners to, to work through at their own pace. The, there are comprehensive instructions for every activity and every exercise. Um, and in the in-class setting, the teacher can guide the class using the, the teacher guide in combination of book and web materials. 
Um, the book can also be used by community groups working together without a teacher um, by using a combination of the book and, and the website. Um, and as I've just learned through my own experience, it works quite well for on online courses as well. Great. And one more thing, um, from, the, from the start, from the inception and sort of the concept stage of this, which was an evolutionary process, but from the early, early stages, you were really committed to the idea, again, of the illustrations and the development of characters throughout the book, um, which are so integral to this textbook. Um, visually, they're just absolutely wonderful, um, but more important, they, they serve a teaching function. So let me know a little bit about that. Yes, so the book is populated by a set of recurring characters, all of whom represent uh, actual groups of people who either study or speak Yiddish today. Um, so there is a class of Yiddish students um, and their professor, Professor Kluger, which is a little inside joke because Klug means smart in Yiddish. <laughs> um, and the students come from all over the world and all kinds of backgrounds. Um, all of which represent actual Yiddish students today. So there are students, there are non-Jewish students from Poland and Germany. Um, there are Jewish students from uh, Canada, the U.S., and Israel. Um, there are observant religious students and secular students, um, students from Argentina and Russia, um, and uh, graduate students, undergraduates, um, studying various uh, various disciplines uh, for which Yiddish uh, is, is a useful language to know and, and for personal reasons. And then there are several families. Um, there is a family of uh, New York Yiddishists um, who all speak Yiddish as a, a, fa a father, a mother, uh, two, two young daughters and an older son and their grandmother, Boba Shandl. Um, there is a Hasidic family, because, of course, Hasidim represent a very, very large proportion of Yiddish speakers today. Um, the family in the book is, lives in Williamsburg, um, and they also have, they have four children. Um, and there are assorted uh, actors in the Yiddish theater and klezmer musicians and uh, some retired folks in Florida uh, immigrants from the former Soviet Union living in, in New York. Um, basically, just the idea was to, to try to reflect the actual Yiddish world um, in the book as much as possible so that students, once they enter the Yiddish world, uh, feel, feel a sense of familiarity in it. Well, Asya, thank you for a, a Herculean task um, that I know you you threw yourself into with 200 and plus percent. Um, the outcome is stellar. Um, it's so exciting that it's going to be in the hands of people by the end of August. Um, it's due off press and we can begin shipping sort of, I bet, say safely by the third week of August. And you know, what's interesting to me is so many of the projects, and I, I hope you'll agree, that get launched here at the Yiddish Book Center, get launched, you know, with an idea of, you know, how there'll be an educational program or a translation fellowship, which will mentor translation fellows or oral histories. Um, so much of our work, again, you know, even the posting, the digital um, Yiddish library, all of these things we think of as sort of having, you know, one path and, and, and they're great, 
but we look back a few years later and don't realize how much impact that these projects have had and how they've expanded, how it helps, again, the regeneration in, in the cultural production, et cetera. So I think this textbook has many, many spokes to it, which are going to be really fun to, to see the impact it has um, and in how it allows people to access this language and use it in really interesting, creative ways going forward. So thanks, Asia. I know it was uh, a lot of work um, and it's really exciting to see it come to publication. Yes, thank you. And I must mention that I couldn't have possibly done it without the hard work of all of the other people uh, that worked on the book with me. I can't possibly list them all now because there are dozens <laughs> of people who, who contributed vitally to this project. Um, but I will mention my co-author Jordan Brown and uh, Michal Yashinsky, who worked on the cultural component of the book. Um, and, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I can't list my name everybody else, but we had a team of pedagogy editors and language editors and artists and illustrators and designers who all uh, made extremely important contributions to this work. Great. Well, thank you. So for our listeners, we will begin shipping, as I say, in mid, mid to late August. You can pre-order the book and take advantage of our launch discount. To learn more and to order, visit shop.yiddishbookcenter.org. Again, shop.yiddishbookcenter.org. And um, we look forward to visiting with you again. Asia, thanks. And I hope you can take a week off. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Bleichfeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Thank you.